hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the plants, with dad and daughter, with me Lauren. And me Graham. And we're going to be reflecting on the football across all the top five English divisions this week. And we're going to start off with some really sad news actually about the passing of footballing legend Jimmy Greaves, aged 81 years old. And for people like myself that just weren't of the generation of Jimmy Greaves, what kind of footballer was he, Dad? Uh, as a centre-forward, he was um, not a big, burly centre-forward. He was a bit smaller, nippy, fantastic goal scorer. Played for England. I think he just missed out on um, playing in the World Cup, 66 World Cup final, I think. I'll have to research that. But yeah, I mean, he was brilliant. Started at Chelsea, nipped over to Italy. Bravely, I think. Don't think he was there at AC Milan. I think oh, not wow, for too okay. long. Uh, and then he was Tottenham and West Ham, so the three main London clubs. Spent some time at Barnet as well. I think they must have been non-league at that point. Famously, had his probably the first ever light-hearted football show, which was Saints and Greavesy. Him and uh, Ian St John used to do. I don't know if it was Saturday morning or something like that. Um, they did Saints and Greavesy, which was a light-hearted football program. Oh, that's cool. Should go back and look at some. It was absolutely brilliant. To be fair, was but that after he finished as like a professional uh, yeah, footballer? Yeah, not much longer though. It was. He was still quite young then. It's a long time ago. But um, no, he was absolutely brilliant. What a fantastic player. And the lineup for the podcast in general, I'm going to be talking about Manchester United within the Champions League, as well as putting forward a new chant to you, Dad. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> sure you are. And what are you going to be chatting about in the podcast? Uh, I've got talking about a legend and talking about a potential future legend and some uh, players in the heard of for a while. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. So for the warm-up conversation, I'm basically just going to be praising the fact that I think right now we're so lucky to be, you know, the players that we've got in the Premier League. And I think some teams are probably playing the best football, definitely within Europe if potentially across the whole world. You know, I was talking about the excitement that Ronaldo's back, a world-class player. Um, obviously, we've still got many world-class players within the Premier League. Salah, Mane, De Bruyne when he's fit. I mean, you could just name so many. And I think we're just so lucky to be able to be watching such great quality football within England. And I think this season, I really hope it's going to be a really close affair as to who's going to win the trophy. Obviously, Liverpool, Chelsea... Man City, Man U, you could throw in there. There's a lot that are all going to be pushing for that title. I do slightly think that Liverpool at the moment are going a little bit under the radar. Obviously, they're doing really well. But I feel like what with Ronaldo coming in and Lukaku coming in, people have kind of forgotten a, li a little bit about Liverpool. Do you think that's fair to say? Or do you think that rightly so they might not be tipped for the favourite this year? No, I think they'll be top three. I think they're certainly going to bounce back from a poor season last season. I think they're definitely... Yeah. In with a shout. They've got a strong squad still, so they got uh, you know Van Dyke back, which is really important to them. So yeah, I think they they've got a definitely got a chance. Yeah, so I just feel like we're really lucky at the moment, especially having people like Ronaldo back in it. It definitely seems to have boosted just the Premier League in general and the fans being back in. It's a good time to be watching football at the moment within England. So it's very exciting. That's my main warm up conversation. Well, I think I'd expand that to say, you know, I think all the divisions are looking pretty exciting. True. You've got some northern powerhouses down in League One. Um, I'm sure you'll be talking about that later, but you know, the Sunderland, yeah. Sunderland Wigan, Aki Stanley have been up there. It's you got Bolton. You know, there's some real strong northern teams giving it a good old crack, especially places like Akistani, four and a half thousand, Accrington Stanley, at home to Wigan yesterday. It must have been a brilliant atmosphere. Yeah, no, that's so true, actually. <laughs> 
Right, kick off for the podcast. This is a topic of conversation that we're just going to have a little kick off about. And as I mentioned in the lineup for the podcast, I'm just going to be discussing Solskjaer's real inconsistency and just struggles in general with the Champions League. Um, looking at his statistics within within the competition, overall he's lost 7 of 11 matches since he's taken charge of the team within the competition. So it all started back, if you look back to February 2019, when they lost 2-0 at Old Trafford to PSG, who feels like so long ago now, they were without Neymar, Cavani, Tuchel was the manager, and uh, Solskjaer left out Lukaku. And then if you bring it all the way back up to, obviously, this week against the young boys, it was 1-1 and all the tactics, and everyone's saying he's done the wrong thing, where he removed Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes. Now, I didn't watch the match, but as someone that obviously follows football, I think in any situation, no matter who they're playing, do you think taking Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes off a pitch is ever going to work in favour? Well, I think they've got a good enough squad. You know, you could replace them with Cavani and whoever else. I think they've, they've got a um, Lingard. You know, they've got some a depth of squad. They probably can do that. Whether you'd take them both out, you know, they're both quite influential. You might leave one out, perhaps. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people said that it probably wasn't the right call. And it didn't help that Lingard came on to replace him and obviously unfortunately was contributing to the goal that young boys won in the end and I think Matic also replaced him so I think there's a lot of pressure now on Solskjaer he seems to have got it going pretty well in the Premier League and they're doing all right and we just watched them actually play against West Ham and they won that one but within the Champions League I think fans are just getting a little bit frustrated that there just seems to be these pivotal moments when Solskjaer's tactics are just being questioned really and you wonder whether there's the amount of planning that must go into these fixtures is ridiculous but they have got a lot of fixtures and things like that so yeah it'd be nice to see the the pressure taken off them a little bit but at the same time it's it's quite frustrating to see how they're doing in the Champions League at the moment and young boys there that's a real upset wasn't it well yeah when you look at the group they've got probably one, one, of, the one of the easiest groups yeah. so they maybe they underestimated uh, young boys as well they need to get going that's for sure uh, my I'm going to stay in Manchester for mine I'm not 100% sure on the whole story but the whole Pep Guardiola thing this week with the crowds and oh yeah what was that well I think what he's saying is the inconsistent numbers so they had quite a low crowd against Leipzig I think in the uh, is it Leipzig midweek mm-hmm. and uh, I think he was saying listen you know let's fill the stadium let's get the atmosphere going we deserve to be well supported and um, you know, there's something in that, but equally it costs a lot of money to go to these matches. I'm not sure they give uh, any discounts at City or let people in cheap on certain matches or whatever, but it's a big ground to fill Yeah, and fans have only got so much cash to spend. It's still, as much as it's a big money game, City massive spending, it's still a working class game and the fans are having to put the hand in the pocket three times in a week sometimes you've got back-to-back home matches if you want to go to an away match mm-hmm. so I think it's a bit uh, I don't know just I'd, I'd, I'd like to say I'm not having a go because I'm not quite sure of the whole story I just saw bits of it in the paper but um, seems a bit unfair when we've had fans come back in thankfully yeah and needs to be a bit respectful of like I say people who work hard all week and spend literally yeah. if, if you're a family hundreds of pounds to go and watch your team and I guess the, uh, the the frustrating thing for everybody was that having done that and said, come and watch us batter Southampton, they drew nil-nil. So, mm, uh, that's uh, true. So it, it sort of backfired a bit, a bit uh, backfired in him really. But yeah, so we, we do love Pep, but just got to be careful. Don't wind the fans up because uh, they are very faithful to the team. <laughs> 
half time now. So this is the half time turnover where we pick out a team that we think really managed to turn it around at half time, obviously. And I've gone to League Two for my half time turnover this week. And I'm looking at Carlisle versus Scunthorpe. So basically, Scunthorpe went into half time at Brunton Park 2 0 up thanks to goals from Jarvis and Honorisi. Um, but the Chris Beach, the manager at Carlisle, he must have given quite the halftime team talk, changed it around a little bit with the team formation. And then 81st minute, Jordan Gibson scored. And then the 95th minute, um, he went on to set up Brennan Dickinson to equalise and grab uh, a point for Carlisle. So Scunthorpe would be very frustrated that they were 2-0 up and somehow managed to, it was 2-2 in the end. But a really good result from Carlisle coming back from 2-0 down to get two goals all within about three, 13 minutes time. So great turnaround for Carlisle and Chris Beach. Uh, I've got a cracker in the championship, Luton versus Swansea. Swansea um, made a really poor start to the season. I saw the first match at Ewood when they got beat by Blackburn and um, they insist Russell Martin, who came across from MK Dons, ex-Norwich player, 35-year-old, he insists on playing this playing out from the back tactic and um, reading the report, it sounded like he did exactly the same, gave a couple of goals away because they were faffing around. But he insists that's the way we're playing, but that's the way they're playing. They were 3-0 down at half-time. So um, Luton four games without a win, we're thinking, well, here we go, 3-0 up. We're going to uh, have an easy easy game here. Um, second half, he changed everything, put three subs on, Uncham, Piro and Cabango. Uh, and uh, here, Presto, they managed to get back to 3-3. Patterson, 63rd minute, Uncham, 86th, and Piro, 92nd. And uh, the substitutes had a part in every one of the goals, actually. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, so it's a great thing to do. Um, Swansea now 21st, uh, Luton 13th, but there's only three points between them. So, uh, Swansea certainly got a big, long season ahead of them. But um, it'd be interesting, the fans, it must drive, it probably drives the players mad. They want to give it a good boot every now and then, but... It feels like you just won't let them. And like I said, Blackburn definitely beat them for that reason. Mm. Uh, and it sounds like Luton got a couple of their three goals for that reason. So um be interesting to see whether Russell Martin, whether he did change his tactics and get them to uh, get up the pitch quicker or whether he's just going to stick with that tactic. And uh, I guess it is a different team. MK Dons, he built the team in that style and he's tried to do exactly the same at Swansea. But um, we'll see whether he's got the flexibility and versatility to be able to make it work. Be interesting. Second half now to the podcast, and I'm going to take a, just a moment to just stop and appreciate. It's great to see lots of female pundits and presenters and commentators within football and particularly within the Premier League now get involved. Like Sky Sports have brought in uh, Karen Kearney, who was England and Chelsea captain, and Michelle Owen now co-presents for Sky Sports the EFL coverage. Kelly Cates does a lot of presenting on Sky Sports. Obviously, BBC got Alex Scott. It's just brilliant to see so many female pundits within football. And, it, you know, I think a fair few years ago, it was quite unusual to suddenly see uh, a lady on Match Today or something like that. But now it's not unusual. So, um, Are you including yourself in that list? I'm including or? myself, I think. It's sure. great to have a, a daughter as well on a podcast. Um, no, it's just, you know, I think as a female who likes appreciating football, it's nice to see that it's it's well represented now in football coverage no I, I totally agree and they all do a really good job as well yeah the sky coverage is there's some really good. absolute crackers on the when they keep nipping to the different grounds I think there's some brilliant uh, coverage yeah yeah so yeah, yeah no I, I absolutely totally agree and I think that the, 
ladies football get some good coverage and some otherwise me and mum will come in and you know she won't be up. happy yet. yeah yeah i know <laughs> that yeah um yeah so that's very good and my uh, I, i'm i think i've um, it's not long ago i talked about this but i'm i can't help myself really brentford uh, i think brentford the sort of three things or three or four things you've got the manager frank who's done an absolutely brilliant job you've got ivan toner who's just i thought it was ex- exceptional against um wolves one of the paper reports said they just couldn't handle him. And I mean, you've got Conor Cody, England centre-back. Uh, you know, they're no idiots, but they just they just literally could not play Tony. And then the next thing, he's popping up at the back, stopping shots on the line as well in his own penalty box. So I think the whole spirit of Brentford, the fans are really enjoying it. It's just a lot of fun. And I think I'd love to see them. Do you think they'll stay up? Yeah, I, th- I think they'll definitely stay up. I think they'll finish in the top 10, hopefully. Do a bit um, of the Leeds. Do, do a Leeds, yeah. yeah, I think they'll do a Leeds and Sheffield United are a good first season, yeah, don't they? Yeah, so I, I just think they've got that spirit, they've got the they've got unless they work really well as a team and I mean Tony, we talked about him a few times on this show, but uh, I mean Tony's just absolutely brilliant. He, he mm. is a fantastic player all round, good player. So yeah, a good old rave about Have uh, you been Brentford. To Brentford? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Went to watch Rovers win one nil actually. Nice, good atmosphere. In the old stadium, brilliant atmosphere in the old stadium, yeah. Pub on every corner of the ground, but I didn't go in any of them actually. Oh my gosh, why not? Were you driving? No, no, I wasn't actually. <laughs> I can't remember what <laughs> I did. Kept it tame, kept it tame. Kept it tame, yeah. But no, brilliant ground and brilliant atmosphere and uh, yeah, no, fantastic to see Brentford doing well. So so pleased for them. Well, do you know what? This is all linked in very, very well to this week's chant, which it's not a particularly really famous song. I think it's pretty famous, but this is an opportunity for me to put forward a new chant to you and then we put it up on social media and see what the fans say. And yep, this is being aimed at Brentford FC this week. And the song itself is a 1983 single by the SOS band, Bit Rogue, which got to number 13. And then in 1990, this British dub group covered the song and it got to number one. So I'm thinking it's been covered... It's a good opportunity to maybe add a little bit more of a spin to it. So we are going for the SOS bands, Just Be Good To Me, which is now going to be turned into Brentford's FC, big man up front, Ivan Tony, which might not sound like it's going to fit, but I promise it will. So this is how it's going to go. Imagine this is going all around Brentford Stadium. Has Brentford Stadium got a name or is it just Brentford Community? Uh, it used to be, all Griffin Park, is it? I think it is a okay. community stadium now, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, this is this is what's going all around. People always talk about his reputation. We don't care how you others play. We got Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony. Worst so far. Oh, no. Really? It just doesn't fit, does it, really? Well, uh, I tried to squeeze it in. I might do it on myself because that was rubbish. Oh, so out of ten, the lowest I've got so far is five. It's a four, I think. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, no, that's poor, really. Rubbish. Right, final whistle. So this is where we round up the top five English leagues. And going to the Premier League, Liverpool secured another three points with a convincing 3-0 win versus Crystal Palace. Uh, Man United just about getting the win versus West Ham. It's 2-1. Ronaldo on the score sheet again. A brilliant win for Brighton, 2-1 versus Leicester, which brings them up towards the top of the table. 
And then, of course, the big match on Sunday, Tottenham versus Chelsea. Halftime, it was nil-nil, but Chelsea put on a really dominating performance in the second half to make it 3-0. Comfortable victory in the end with goals from Thiago Silva, Kante and Rudiger sealing all three points for Chelsea. So having a look at the top of the table in the Premier League, three teams all on 13 points. That's Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, closely followed by Brighton, who started the season off amazingly with their four wins uh, with 12 points, then Man City, and then looking at Tottenham, who now sit in seventh. And Norwich remain rock bottom, losing all five of their opening matches in the Premier League. It was a huge match against Watford, and they lost 3-1. Ismail Saar getting a brace for Watford. So looking down towards the bottom of the table, you've got Burnley, Newcastle and Leeds, all still yet to win in the Premier League. Championship, so uh, starting at the bottom. Interesting, actually, because... If you're a betting man, we should have uh, put some money on uh, Forrest winning because he let the manager go and you always win the first match, don't you? So Chris Sutton left Forrest, no surprise because they were struggling terribly really. Just didn't seem to work for him there. Worked for him brilliantly at uh, at Brighton but just doesn't seem to be able to settle into Forrest. So Stephen Reid, I didn't realise I was reading it up. Stephen Reid. From Blackburn. Ex Blackburn is the caretaker manager. he played 343 games in his career. I thought he was. I thought he was a really good player. Played 113 matches at Rovers. Scored six. I remember him scoring an absolute cracker from outside the box at Wigan. I think. Oh blimey! Okay. On Boxing Day. Oh. Uh, yeah. So and he's got uh, got a chance to guess whether they've got any intention of giving him the job. I don't know. But uh, good luck, Stephen Reid. They started off with a win. Uh, first win of the season away at Huddersfield, 2-0. They only had 29% possession, but they had uh, twice as many shots on target as Huddersfield. So, brilliant win, Grabham and Nichols' own goal. Still bottom. Uh, they got four from eight, but uh, you'd think they're going to start to move back up. Hull struggling, lost at home to Sheffield United 3-1. They've got five from eight. Uh, Peterborough, seven from eight, level with uh, Swans, who've also got seven points. Peterborough had a good win, actually, 3-0 at home to, to uh, Birmingham. Up the top, Bournemouth uh, went top, 1-0 win at Cardiff. Uh, 18 from eight matches, so they're doing really well, actually, Bournemouth. Uh, no surprise, Fulham is second, uh, but lost 2-1 at home to Reading. Reading are a bit of a weird team this season. West Ham and Coventry just behind them. They're both through 1-1 at Millwall and Preston, um, respectively. And the win of the day, I guess, a cracking win for Bristol City, who won 2-1 at QPR. A uh, very good win for them at Loftus Road. Into League One, Wigan moved top of the table after a convincing 4-1 away win at Accrington Stanley, helped by two goals from Charlie Wick, which was his first for the club, actually, his first goals. Talking of Charlie Wick, his former club, Sunderland, dropped to second after drawing 2-2 at Fleetwood, who scored two goals in a very short period of time, in the 81st and 97th minutes. It was a great turnaround from Fleetwood. Uh, MK Dons, Plymouth and Wickham all won to get in those playoff positions. And actually lots of great results down towards the bottom of the table as well. Ipswich, Doncaster and Crew Alexandra all got their first wins of the season. So those three teams that are right down the bottom all got their first wins. Uh, but the bottom four still remains Crew on five points, Shrewsbury five points, and then both on four points, you've got Charlton and Doncaster. Yeah, surprise to see Charlton down there, isn't it? Mm, they? Yeah, they're a big team down there in League strange. One. Uh, League Two, some good matches again. Forest Green opened up a four-point lead. Uh, looking strong, Forest Green. 19 points from eight matches. That's the highest in any of the four divisions. Um, so yeah, 4-0 win at Stevenage, brilliant actually. Six wins out of the first eight matches. New manager Rob Edwards, uh, ex-Wales under-21 manager, seems to have settled in and doing a great job there. Lytton Torrent, a second, 15 points. They won 3-1 at Bristol Rovers, who were struggling. 
Harrogate third on 14 points. They did lose 2-0 at Port Vale, but they've got a game in hand on the two teams above, so they're in a good position. Uh, Oldham still bottom, although they managed to get a point. 0-0 at home to Hartlepool. Texans are four points. Uh, Scunthorpe and Bristol Rovers, seven points. As you said, uh, Scunthorpe should have had more than a point because mm. they were 2-0 up at Carlisle. Uh, surprise, really, in that division. Salford, 17th, lost 2-0 at Tranmere. Uh, you've got to start thinking Gary Boyer might be at risk because, um, as we know from last season, they don't mess about. If, they, if they're if they not getting the results, the Salford boys or the Man United boys, as they used to be, they'll, uh, they'll take fast actions. But they certainly don't want to be 17th, that's for sure. Lots of time yeah, left, but they were favourites to go up, I think. So time to get it sorted, I think. And the National League, Chesterfield, uh, they stay top. They won 2-0 at Yeovil. Uh, both goals in the first half, so they've got 17 points from seven matches. Uh, they went above Dagenham and Redbridge, who lost 1-0 at Wrexham. Wrexham, of course, desperate to go up with the American backers and all the cash they've got. You remember they uh, bought the lad from Cambridge, Mullin, Paul Mullin, for a tidy sum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, supposedly going to uh, championship teams like Blackburn. Uh, ended up going out of the league back into National League playing for Wrexham. They did win 1-0, I say, over Dagenham and Redbridge. 8,000 fans on. So, really, uh, there's some massive fans, uh, massive crowds, actually, in the National League. Grimsby had over 6,000 there, third. Won 2-0 at home to Eastleigh. Uh, and Dover at the bottom managed to get a draw at Weymouth, but they're still mi- that takes them to minus 10 points now. Oh, my gosh. Good luck to them, eh? Barnett, second from bottom. Uh, Aldershot and Kingsland down there as well. Southend's a funny one. They've only got five points. They seem to be struggling. Uh, and Stockport, again, another favoured team to go up. Lots of cash and lots of new signings. Uh, they lost 3-0 at Halifax. Barnet of the week. Now, this team are really struggling in the Premier League. Like I said, they've lost all five matches, but something to maybe cheer them up and um, cheer people up watching them was I've noticed that they've got a great Barnet lurking within their team. So he's 21 years old. His name is Josh Sargent. He's an American and, you know, you don't get too many American footballers coming over into the Premier League, but I have noticed what a Barnet he has got. Dad, I've got photo evidence for you in case you don't know. Oh, yeah, very good, yeah. Ginger he looks young lad, isn't he? Young lad, yeah, isn't only he? 21. Nice, lovely, ginger, curly locks. And um, obviously, I've been looking at some of the other American footballers that have been in the Premier League in the past, or currently, Pulisic. I would say he's got a better barnet than Pulisic. And Brad Friedel, definitely got a better, better well, barnet. he didn't have a barnet. No. Really. But see, that's my barnet of the week, Josh Sargent from Norwich. Oh, well, I've predictably gone for, we've not mentioned much about him in this show, Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7. Ooh who uh, always has the uh, flowing locks and looking good. Nice and slick back. Of course, he is, uh, in every respect, an absolute legend and has come back and got, what is it, three and two two or three and four, I think. So he's already kicked off with goals and looks sharp as anything. And um, and he got (laughs) three penalty claims, none of them given at West Ham, which was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but he's just fired up and uh, the fans love him. And Very stylish, isn't he? Commercially old, made old. a lot of money for United already with shirt sales and stuff, I'm sure. So, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, Barnet of the Week, Barnet of the Decade, perhaps. Right, that's it for this week of Football Chants and Riots with the Plants. 
don't forget you can follow us on social media and twitter just search at plants and rants and where i'll be posting up this week's chant which got absolutely rinsed by dab brentford fc fans you can have your say we'll be back with some more football chants and rants of the plants next week and we'll see you then